to Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. Again, uh, it's all totally free. So we will start things out here with an update uh, the latest on the Brian Travis horse raid situation, or the horse raid situation up here in New Hampshire, happened yesterday morning. One of our listeners, Brian Travis, his property was raided by about a dozen cops, uh, several volunteers. They shut down the road out in front of his home, so people could not travel down it. This seemed a little bit unusual. Uh, right. For... They, st- they, they blocked the road a half a mile in either direction from his house. When was the last time you heard of a warrant where they did that i mean doesn't that it's sound like doesn't that sound like for they, a horse they, they yeah. got al capone in there or something right right now, now i could understand that if they had a man who was armed and holding his family hostage or something like that blocking off the road because you don't want somebody meandering into a situation like that but they were going after his horses so they blocked off the road. The trailers that they brought up had the license plates taped over. You could not identify which uh, who was involved in volunteering with this effort because they also brought some volunteers along to confiscate Brian's wife's horses from the property. Now, they didn't take all of the horses. Now, some are alleging, and if you go to the Union Leader article, you can see that there are allegations there that there was something called animal hoarding going on. The idea being that allegedly Brian's wife was just collecting a bunch of really expensive horses. Uh, It's expensive animal hoarding. I think when you get above a certain cost, as far as the uh, livestock goes, that maybe you're a rancher. Or something, some term like that, not yeah, hoarding. I'm, I'm not sure what, if there's any truth to these allegations. It's what's on the Union Leader article, and of course anybody can post comments there. And most of them are basing their presumptions off of a very awful video that was shot by Brian. I mean, it was awful in the fact that it was shot on his BlackBerry and then uploaded to YouTube, and it's just compression, low compression algorithm uh, compiled on top of another low compression uh, algorithm, or rather high compression, excuse me. These uh, videos were very high compression resulting in low quality. So you really couldn't even see the faces of the bureaucrats, even on relatively close shots of the bureaucrats. You couldn't really tell who these people were. And so that's what these people are basing their claims off of. They were claiming that, you know, the the horses didn't look so good. But then again, Brian didn't get close up to any of the horses. He was in the process of being bowled over by the shock of having a dozen cops come into his home. And in that situation, you may not know what exactly to do as far as creating a narrative for your video is concerned. Are they talking about the same video that you and I saw? We're talking about a nine-minute long video. It's available. You can get it easily over at blogofbile.com. Now, I saw that video. You and and I watched that video last night. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so I saw that video. If anybody is saying anything about how those horses look, the only thing they can say is that because there's one horse horse in the video is that correct i don't know i think there were a couple horses uh, the, the i only saw the one one instance where they were um, the horse had a coat on and the only that thing i you, did notice you could say about the horse is he's brown i mean there there's nothing to be seen as far as the horse goes right it's a very blotchy video because of the high compression that that is used on it you can barely even see details in the video now the police do have their own video you could see a policeman with a video camera in the video footage and so that means that the police video should be able to be subpoenaed, essentially, should be able to, Brian or whoever it is that gets involved in this case, should be able to get their hands on that video. 
And the cops, I, what I wanted to point out was they didn't take all of the horses. So some people are alleging, well, these horses are in bad condition. The horses are not being taken care of appropriately. The government will not comment. So they've gone into this situation, and they will not give the news media, anybody, even the union leader, the local newspaper, they will not give anybody a comment claiming the investigation is still ongoing. So how is it that they can go and confiscate someone's horses if the investigation is still ongoing? In addition, if these horses are really sick and these government bureaucrats are really concerned for the welfare of these horses, why didn't they take all of the horses? Now, wait a minute. Just but before you jump to a conclusion and you think the horses were just all standing around in a stall, that's not the truth. From what Brian told us last night, the reason they didn't take the other horses, in fact, didn't even look at the other horses, was because they were kind of out and about. You know, it's a fairly large piece of property. Sure. Horses go and they tromp around and do horsey things. And so the government bureaucrats and the volunteers, this veterinarian from a local vet clinic, went in and they looked at the horses that were just kind of standing around, and they took those horses. So there are still horses left on the property that the government guys didn't even bother to spend the time and effort to take a look at. So is it about welfare? Or is it about what Brian was suggesting last night, and that it's about a vendetta, a personal vendetta by these government agents, one of them who is an SPCA, uh, which is apparently a private organization, or it was, it's now somehow become an arm of the governmental bureaucracy. Anyway, this former cop, now animal control officer, basically, Steve Sproul from the SPCA, he, from what I understand, was behind this. Now, Steve was kind of made to look bad a few months back when Cooper, or when Cooper, who's the son of Brian Travis, was arrested for being on his own property and operating a video camera. Now, Nick is here, of course, tonight from Free Minds TV as somebody who is in the, the television media business. You understand a thing or two about recording government bureaucrats, especially if you're on your own property and obviously doing it with a camera uh, held out in front of you. They had this young man arrested. They didn't charge him with anything. And I think you guys covered this on Free Minds TV. I believe we did. He was arrested, taken down to the police station, and released. So there were no charges. They were just trying to scare this, to scare Cooper. I mean, he's 18, 19 years old. Uh, they're trying to intimidate him into being a good little boy and, and uh, following orders and not recording when the cops say to not record, etc., and so what they uh, what what is presumed to be going on here, at least by uh, Brian, I think, and, and his family and his uh, that that side of things, is that there is a vendetta here on the part of this Steve Sproul character, because yeah, I, he was made to look real bad in I that video. I can't tell you you know what kind of condition these horses are in. I didn't I haven't seen them. The only video I've seen of them is um, you know like I said, the only thing you can tell about the horses is they're brown. Josh called last night. He says he goes there every week, never noticed anything wrong. I, you know I'm I'm no veterinarian. I've been over there. I've walked. In the relatively immediate vicinity, by immediate I mean, you know, a hundred feet or so of some horses, I didn't notice anything either, but it's not like I'm looking. Horses might as well be trees as far as I'm concerned. So, um, but but I can tell you that the authorities have acted very strange all They're not this. commenting. They're not even returning my, they did not return my phone calls. I called as a member of the media. They didn't want to talk to me. They didn't want to talk to the union leader, an established local newspaper, and everybody's in the dark on this. They've stolen these people's horses, and they're just claiming, well, we're not commenting. The investigation's still going on. So the horses are gone, or at least some of the horses, because some are still there. They're alleging it was because of animal welfare, but there's no evidence whatsoever 
to say that it was an animal welfare issue. It, it seems just, like it's a vendetta. It seems like it's an, it's an attack against the Travis household because they are willing to stand up for their rights. They're willing to videotape these cops when they come by and they make these, these obscene demands about walking all over somebody's property and inspecting things and acting as though they own the place, which apparently they do. And so what's next? What's the next step here? I'm not sure exactly. I know some ideas are being thrown around as far as, you know, protesting the SPCA calling and letting them know that if you're a donator that you're going to withdraw your donations. Certainly you deserve an explanation. I think if you're a contributor to the SPCA, they deserve, you deserve an explanation. I think everybody deserves an, an explanation at the very least, but none was given. Certainly Brian Travis and his wife weren't given an explanation besides some, or some obscure allegation about paperwork. Yeah, like the horses didn't have their papers, but it's my understanding that you don't need a license uh, for a horse like you do for a dog in this state. Uh, that legislation was just shot down this year. Now, we had Brian Travis on the show with us for an hour and a half last night. And in that hour and a half period of time, he never mentioned, and, and perhaps we didn't ask, but he never mentioned that they had been getting warnings. No, I, He never said that they had sent me warnings saying, hey, you don't have this paperwork, you need to get your paperwork straightened out, all of this. Now, I don't know if that would mean that he would obey those warnings, but he, was never, he never mentioned being sent anything like that. Or, we've had allegations that your horses are sick, we're going to come take a look, you better, make, you better fix this problem. Do they normally jump straight to, when they're confiscating animals for being sick or having a, some sort of animal welfare issue, do they normally just jump right straight to, let's steal the animals? Don't they try to don't they even try to work things out? Let's say that was the case here. Did they even bother trying to, to do something without involving just stealing the horses first? 800-259-9231. We continue to follow this case for you and you can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are completely free, and they include the updates. You get signed up. We keep you in the loop, so enjoy all of those on us over at updates.freetalklive.com. And the Institute for Humane Studies is offering 12 different seminars this summer in locations across the country. Participation is free, and the IHS even covers meals and housing. Seminars are for those simply curious about libertarian philosophy, to those who are passionate about liberty, even those who want career advice, networking opportunities, and lectures relevant to each career path. You can go to libertarianseminars.com and register today. Deadline is March 31st. That's libertarianseminars.com. 1-800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls. Let's talk to Jeremy in Montana. Jeremy, you are on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Never could get through last night. Yeah, the phones were packed, uh, and we had Brian Travis on for a long time talking about how the government people came in and stole his wife's horses from her. Uh, But go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Uh, I mean, this guy's got all these armed ranch hands. And he's armed himself. He bragged several times how they walked around with their pistols or whatever to protect their liberties. But as soon as their liberties were violated, they weren't willing to put them to use. That's what that's what the Second Amendment's for, you know. And, uh, I mean, he had every right to shoot the cops that came in his house without a warrant. 
to search it. Granted, he would have maybe not He'd be dead lived. right now. We wouldn't be talking to him, of course. I mean, I see where you're coming from, Jeremy, and I, I, mean, I, I can... Is- I can empathize with how you feel. Look, man, I know. I'm with you, man. When I look at that situation, it's hard to not think about violence. And I have to make a very concerted effort to to keep calm and remember that we we need to be peaceful. um, And we need to be the better people. We need to not lower ourselves to their level. Huh? Look what... being peaceful's got us so far. I know. Maybe it looks like that they all they'll do is if you stand out, if you are somebody who's noticeable as Brian Travis is because his family is willing to stand up for their freedoms, if you're noticeable, they'll start to take away everything that you love from you until you either lash out or you completely break down and become an obedient serf again. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but I think that this can be solved peacefully, and I think that we need more people here in order to do it. Well, I mean... Me too, but uh, I just I, I can't understand what good does it do to have a Second Amendment right to protect our freedoms sure. if we're going to be scared. But what good do, what when, good would it do it to shoot? To use them. What good would it do to shoot over them stealing your horses? Well, I, I know how some guys feel about it up here because uh, your show was on for that two hours last night well, on KGZ and uh. It, you know, they were like, uh, <laughs> that's not happening on my property. I mean, well, they, I mean, that's just the way the mentality That's is great. It's easy to talk. It's here, easy but. to talk about that. And then when the, you know, the day when a dozen cops show up at your front door, then you'll be talking a different game, most likely. I bet those guys right. that said that would probably feel a little bit differently once they were sitting at home with their, uh, with their family, wife and kids are around, and the cops come knocking on their door. Do they pick up a gun and start blasting away at the police and then put their own life and their family's lives in even more and greater jeopardy? Or do they just go along with the program and fight it on the other end and hopefully get enough support in the local community to where they can uh, they can actually win well that that's the thing Ian. i mean i i don't know i'm just kind of stuck right now but uh well, when that, i say win by know, the way i mean I minimize get along damage with some of the cops up here and some of them are jerks to me and other ones are cool to me and i wouldn't mm-hmm. want to get in a gunfight with either one of them you know, the ones that like me or don't like it sure. doesn't matter. You know, I, I don't want to ever have to be in a gunfight with somebody, but how long do you let your civil liberties be tramped upon and your family be tramped upon by this? I, before I wish you I have could answer that question. I, I really, I don't know. Guys, uh, do, do, you, do you have an answer to that question? I, I mean, if you're a rancher, I could see I could see the position you're taking if somebody's taking your animals. That's Essentially, your livelihood. So I, see the I, position I think for too. a lot of guys, especially when they're, you know, their livelihood, everything they've worked for is tied up in animals. If the government's going to try to come and take them, for some people, that's probably the line they're going to draw. Right. Well, for Brian Travis, it obviously wasn't. Um, these were his wife's animals, and if he had pulled a gun, then his family would be—he'd be dead, and his family would never get to see him. Believe again. Believe me, uh, Jeremy, I—you I, know—I <laughs> I can run those scenarios through my mind. I can—I can—I can see the movie scene where the guy, where the where Brian Travis, the rancher, stands up for his horses that are be ta- being taken by, you know, the government and under the direction of some uh, scorned bureaucrat that fills that he was made a fool of, but at the end of the movie, the only thing I can see is Brian Travis in a box. Well, right, but that maybe it's going to take something like that to set what needs to be done off. Well, I'll tell you what, you Jeremy, you can I'm be saying. the first one. Huh? Yeah, I don't want to be it. Thank you for uh, well, the call, nobody, dude. 
Thank you. 800-259-9231. Look, I understand. It's a real quandary. It's not an easy situation. Everybody wants to be able to wake up to see the next sunrise, you know? I mean, so we've all got this self-preservation factor here to where we understand that, yeah, okay, if you want to go and be a martyr, then maybe somebody will remember you. But then again, maybe not. Maybe you'll be remembered as uh, the crazy guy that that uh, was killed out in the middle of nowhere because he wouldn't let them take his his wife's horses from them. I mean, the, the All I can think of is the Ballad of Car- Carl, Carl Draga, Draga in, in this, right. these instances. And if, if you haven't uh, seen this, go look up the Ballad of Car- Carl Draga on was, the Internet. Right. Was Draga any less just... If you're saying that Brian Travis is justified in shooting some cops over them coming to take his horses, does that mean that Carl Draga was uh, any less justified in shooting government bureaucrats well, because they were trying to regulate him uh, Draga, to death? I think Draga killed a couple people who weren't cops. You just that's true, a but couple the, people but he the, didn't like. But yeah, he killed some government bureaucrat or some selectman or something I believe he killed like his wife's attorney and somebody else, too. It wasn't ju- He wasn't just resisting the cops. Draga kind of went off. I mean, Draga... Well, the Draga state was, was after him. The state yeah, he was... Ki- oh, he killed some cops, but he killed some other people who weren't actually trying to do any direct harm to him. Really? I, I wasn't my aware of that version of the, of the case. I, I had heard that he'd killed, like, a town selectman or something like that because she was one of the people that was involved in preventing him from, like, building a dock in, in his backyard. I don't have all the details. If you can tell the story better than I, 800-259-9231. But anyway... If you are righteous, Nick, they will paint the story that you're not. You know, it's not like they're going to uh, report the story in an accurate way. Well, it looks like these cops had no reason to take these horses, and uh, b- the the rancher opened up on them because they weren't wouldn't they didn't uh, file any uh, official charges, and so they were stealing them. So we, the newspaper and the ma- major media, we support this guy who carries a gun on his hip every day um, in shooting a bunch of law enforcement officers. That is never going to Well, happen. that's never... I mean, you have to also remember who's they. Uh, there's a lot of figures in history who are remembered differently by different groups. I mean, there's not one coherent narrative about Lincoln, for example. Most people remember him as a great guy, but there's those of us out here who don't. There's so. close to a uh, coherent, uh, you know, cohesive uh, narrative on Lincoln. Close. Toll-free number here tonight. Uh, tonight is 800-259-9231. My point was, Draga isn't really remembered fondly uh, by anyone. Who knows who even Carl Draga really is? I mean, all the three of us have heard various different stories about him. I mean, we don't really even know the exact details of the story, and we're people that are relatively kind of close to situations like this, in that we are familiar, uh, relatively familiar with it, compared to the average person. Most people just, they don't, they wouldn't even know who Carl Draga was. If you ask them and even if they live here in New Hampshire. 800-259-9231. I just, I don't know where that line is and I'm I'm sorry that the, that I don't and I maybe you've got the answer. Where's your line? It's Free Talk Live. Read Drop Dead Gorgeous, the debut horror novel by liberty-loving Irish author Wayne Simmons. Meet horror's new bad girls and the chilling Paige Turner, hailed by David Moody, author of Haters, as completely brilliant. Drop Dead Gorgeous is available from Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and all other major online retailers. Go to DropDeadDoll.com now for more details. Live free, then die. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And the features include the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies. They've taken their val- uh, taken validated photos of themselves, sent them into Free Talk Live to prove they listened to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com. You're going to love this one. So if you go to freetalklive.com, you'll find our adult friend finder banner. It's the world's largest adult social network and uh, sex personals. Over 19 million members. 19 million million members. I can hardly believe that. Let them help you find uh, that someone tonight to hook up with. The banner is at freetalklive.com. 800-259-9231. So before we continue with the calls here, since we are confused, the three of us, on the story of Carl Draga, we will turn to the experts. Well, at least Wikipedia is as close as we can get. Uh, for, I for think right Wikipedia now. is a great reference it source. It really is a great resource. I know that people, uh, you know, there, there are people that are Wikipedia snots, and uh, I, you know, I just gotta say, largely, it's it's a great service. Well, just like to cite where things are coming from yep. here. So Wikipedia knows a little bit more than we certainly did. Nick, did you want to share the story? Um, sure. Um, so Carl Draga was a man from northern New Hampshire, from Bow, New Hampshire. Um, and Draga had a long history of conflict with government officials over code enforcement issues starting in the 1970s over whether he could use his tar paper to set his vacation house in Columbia, New Hampshire. He claimed that in 1981, 80 feet of the riverbank along his property collapsed during a rainstorm. Draga used, uh, decided to dump and pack enough dirt to repair the erosion damage, saying this would restore his lot along the Connecticut River to its original size. State officials, on the other hand, contested that Draga was trying to change the course of the river. <laughs> in 1995, the town selectman, Vicki Bunnell, accompanied by a town tax assessor to Draga's property in a dispute over an assessment. I think I had that right. Draga fired shots into the air to drive them away. Let's stop the story at that point. Now, we just talked to Jeremy in Montana, who was talking real tough about how, well... No, you know, he wasn't. He was saying that there were some people that he was you know, with that were saying that. And, and he was saying, you know, when do you draw the line? That's all sure. he was saying. Well, he sounded like he was one of those, one of those kinds of people. He's frustrated. I understand. I, I, I was, too, I when say I, I empathize. This. I completely empathize with Jeremy on this. Now, he was saying that, well, if you're going to have guns, why don't you use them? At what point will you draw that line and decide to go ahead and use your guns? If the purpose of the Second Amendment was to stop the depredations of the state to, at a certain point to say, okay, I've had about enough, now you're going to meet with my guns the next time you want to come here with your stupid regulations and your taxes and your nonsense. That was a po- the point of the Second Amendment, was to guard against a destructive state as well as other common criminals, from my understanding of what the uh, the founders originally intended. And so if... As far as lines being drawn, who could criticize Carl Draga for drawing the line there? This is supposed to be his property. His property was damaged by the natural elements. He decided he wanted to go and change it back. He wanted to add some land back to his land at the edge of the Connecticut River. In the other cases, he decided he wanted to do other things to his property that, for whatever reason, were prohibited by the local building ordinances. Or perhaps the actual activities weren't prohibited. Perhaps he just didn't want to go and get permits for them. So Carl Draga decided to draw the line there, and he actually fired some shots into the air. Right. Warning shots. He wasn't trying to take them out. 
Um, then, which is an appropriate interim step between actually shooting a bureaucrat, right? To say, hey, I'm well, pretty serious anybody, here. I mean, if you're if you're warning them off your property, it's appropriate to yeah. let them know that you're serious before you just shoot them. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, how many how many people out there uh, have the law enforcement officers taken down without a warning shot? Have the one? Um, oh, without plenty, yeah. but it's it's courtesy. Just saying, yeah, it, I, I agree right that it's courtesy. I'm just saying that you know, I'm trying to look at this from the point standpoint that, and and I don't know that this is true. Just that I'm looking at it from the standpoint that Carl Drago was right and the bureaucrats are wrong. That happens sometimes. I don't know, and that bureaucrats, um, the 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 veil of legitimacy that the state has doesn't exist, and that in fact they're just men and women, uh, you know, using force. I'm trying to look at it from that standpoint and decide whether or not I feel like Carl Drago was acting inappropriately. And sounds like a warning shot, sounds like a pretty good thing to have done. Yes, um, and Drago had bought an AR-15 rifle and armor vest and began equipping his property with early warning electronic noise and motion detectors. It doesn't say when he did that, so I'm assuming he had done this prior to giving the warning shots. Um, on August 19th, 1997, at about 2.30, two New Hampshire state troopers, Scott Phillips and Les Lord, stopped Draga in the parking lot of La Pearl's IGA supermarket um, in Colebrook, New Hampshire. Draga shot and killed both troopers. Draga then stole their vehicle and drove to the office of former selectman, then lawyer and part-time judge. Why they stop? Yeah, also I was wondering, that? we don't know why. It doesn't say in the actual story. Why he killed them? Um... I've heard from the account I remember hearing, I think it, some people said it had something to do with a divorce, but I think it might have also had to do with um, just the some, property. Yeah, the property, or I think at one, yeah, I don't know. He just didn't like know. the judge or the selectman. Um, Bunnell reportedly carried a handgun in her purse out of fear of Draga, but may not have had it with her that day. Uh, she warned the staffers in the building to get out before she herself left by the back door. Draga went around the outside of the building and shot her in the back from a range of about 30 feet. Mm. Bunnell died. Uh, Dennis Juice, editor of the local Colbrick News and Sentinel, warned in the uh, worked in the office housed in the same building. Unarmed, he ran out and tackled Draga. During the struggle for control of the gun, Draga shot Juice and... Uh, Juice, I don't know how you pronounce it, it's J-O-O-S, uh, in the torso and back killing him. Then he drove across the border to Bloomfield, Vermont, uh, where he fired at New Hampshire fishing game warden Wayne Saunders, uh, sending his car off the road. And th- from there, Drago was pretty much taken down. His injuries took him down because he did take some bullets. I'm yeah. looking here to, at a Time magazine story about this, and it says, it claims that the the two state troopers were trying to cite him for rust holes. In his red truck. Yes, I, I heard it had something to do with inspection so, and registration. So it sounds like a, a, a guy who just finally got he fed snapped. up with um, yeah. the, the he, intervention in his life by the state. And, you know, I I know that rust holes bothers some, some people. I don't know how rust holes affect the operation of a vehicle. I've never had a vehicle with rust holes in it. I know that I – actually, I do have a, a, a plow truck that I have that has some rust on it. But I, I don't have it licensed. Uh, you don't have to in New Hampshire. So, you know, it just does my driveway. I don't go out on the road with it. So, you know, I don't know. It, it sounds like a guy who snapped. Yeah. Um, He's not justified in killing the state troopers in that they weren't attempting to, uh, you know, they weren't attempting to, to cart him off to, to whose jail. Business, whose business is it of, um, of the theirs? The rust holes are certainly not their business. Okay. I, I agree with that, but I don't think... I'm not know, saying the, that he's justified. I'm just saying right. whose business is it? But yes, I, I can certainly still empathize with, uh, with Draga because he had had it up to here with these government bureaucrats yeah, he, ruling over his life, telling him how he should take care of his property, what he should, how he needs to live, all 
all kinds of uh, micromanaging control over the, his business. And he just had had enough, and those two cops happened to, you know, get in his way at that point. Right, you know, and and I guess the point that we're trying to make with all this is that it doesn't make any difference if you go off and in you know you don't it does make a difference you don't make any uh, you don't make any positive effect on anything. there is no positive effect the Whoa. difference is negative in that when somebody uses violence back against the state which is what jeremy was suggesting earlier when you use violence back in retaliation you're lowering yourself to their level and you give them the excuse to double their arms you know to, well, to arm up even more you, and to become even more militarized well sort of but you also <laughs> had waco that that wasn't really something that the government the government looked really bad after that and that drove a lot of people into I don't the militia think it, movements and it, no it some to some people but i mean i think by and large nobody cares about waco if you bring up waco to people who are informed about what happened at waco which mm-hmm. isn't just libertarians or you know conspiracy nuts i mean there are a lot of people who are familiar with the events at waco most people will agree that the government acted at, at the very least over aggressively they might not disagree with the fact that the government was raiding them, but I think most people feel that the government botched that pretty bad. So you're saying that's kind of a silver lining to Waco? I think that if the government's doing terrible things to you, sometimes people are going to see that and they're going to recognize that. So I'm not saying violence is a positive thing. I'm just saying you're not always going to be completely smeared. 1-800-259-9231. Any way you slice it, it's a tough decision to make and one I think should be avoided as much as possible. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give to you free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Free Talk Live through that link, or rather Amazon uh, through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Start your shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com as we continue here with your phone calls. Talking to Matt in Georgia on the amp line. Hello, Matt. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? What's on your mind tonight? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what Jeremy was bringing up. As I listened to last night's podcast, I I found myself experiencing some of those same things. And, you know, Ian and Mark, I go through the same mental headache that you guys do. It's like, you know, as as much as you're tempted to go to that point, you're not going to accomplish anything. Nope. If you kill a bunch of cops, but just to recap, so people just uh, tuning in, what you're referencing is a call earlier suggesting, well, there has to be a line drawn somewhere, and at that point you need to get violent with these government people when they're trying to rule over your life. And I just feel like... You know, if you kill a bunch of cops when they're trying to to order you around, then you end up dead. The cops end up dead. They the police department fills its ranks with uh, new cops, and then you know you're dead. So, how is that a good situation? How is that desirable to uh, in in any way? Well, and I would actually build on it one further. When I when I look at the Free State Project, and I, I admire you guys from afar for what you're doing, and you know, I often think about what it's like to be there and, and stuff like that. But so I look at what you're doing. I mean, I'm going to get recognition from all of you guys that the government is a gang of thugs. No arguments, right? Sure, right. So I think what is unique about the Free State Project is, at least in the eyes of some of the people of that gang of thugs, you are the rival gang. Mm-hmm. Probably true. You're the, and 
you know, just like what we're talking about with the escalation of violence, I would actually argue that if, you know, if there had been a shootout at, over the horses yesterday, the Free State Project is basically dead. You know, at Maybe. that point, I, I, I think it gets discredited. It would be really bad PR. I think that yeah. if Brian Travis had shot and, and killed some cops over these horses, that would be some real bad PR com- compared to, let's say it's let's say it's true that, you know, the allegations over the union leader that there was animal hoarding going on and that that means that the animals were actually being neglected. I, I would imagine that Brian shooting a bunch of cops would be a worse situation than if it were true that the horses were actually being ignored or something I, I would like say that. so, too. And, and then take it one further. Let's say they don't block off the road and a bunch of activists actually, you know, make it onto the property with guns and you've got the big OK Corral shootout. I mean, this, this just makes it even worse. I mean, I mean, I understand the frustration. I understand the desire of people to want to go there, but it, it doesn't accomplish anything in, in the long run. It's like for this for this movement to work and win. You know, the the rival gang has to represent their values, and so that value of nonviolence has to stick. Right. The reality is we have to, if we're going to experience a voluntary society, we have to win people's hearts and minds. And we know how we feel at the point of a gun. We don't appreciate the fact that these government goons are pointing weapons and threatening us and threatening to steal our houses and our property and our horses and our, our families from us. We don't appreciate any of that. And it's easy to want to respond in kind, but we can't lower ourselves to... To their level. We need to set a better example for these folks, and we need to bring them on board with the ideas of freedom. Now, some of them don't seem to be too interested in even talking about what it is that they are, uh, they are doing. I, uh, there, I've been in a discussion over the NHFree.com forums on the, this thread. It's called Brian Travis Invaded by Bureaucrats over at NHFree.com and the forums there. And the, you know, sort of the debate has been, well, should people who are upset over this situation be contacting Steve Sproul from the SPCA or the police chief and expressing their discontentment and i say absolutely i say there's and nothing I wrong i say there's nothing wrong with that at all but some of the opposition is saying well you need to be using uh logical points with these people don't get emotional with them uh you, you don't want to be perceived as attacking them etc and and it's just it just makes me feel like wait we can't tell these people how we feel about what they've done there's something wrong with me saying to them you ought to be ashamed for what you've done there's a problem with that activists are looking at that and they're saying that there's something there's something wrong with that particular approach look if this guy if this steve sproul from the spca had called back and engaged in a conversation and said well we've looked into the situation we believe these horses were being abused and had actually had some sort of level of conversation or public relations and tried to talk about this then yeah let's talk logic with this guy but he's not going to listen he's not going to return phone calls he's going to be a jerk just like he was months ago when uh, when cooper or when cooper Brian's son was arrested. I see nothing wrong with uh, with text messaging or emailing or phone calling and leaving voicemail uh, for this guy saying how unpleased and disappointed you are with him and his activities. Well, I agree, but I think the point to drive home with a character like that is where were your motives? I, I think Sam did a great job last night of, of bringing up, you know, if this guy really cared about the horses, if that's what really was at stake here, mm-hmm. then there is absolutely no way that those horses were being hauled off that piece of property fundamentally against their will, let alone the, the people who own them, mm-hmm. and taken God knows where to be thrown in with however many other horses and who knows what can, I mean, you know, the, there's just no argument for why that behavior. So obviously there's another motive. 
And and I think, you know, making just pointing that out and then the only other thing that that I'll say and I'll let you guys uh you know get on to other callers and stuff is you know, I think this is the challenge for the free state project. It's like I think that you're gonna have people in that gang of thugs that are gonna wanna get to that point of let's get the guns out because we win when the guns are out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I I think they're gonna try somebody someday is gonna try and push it to that level. The credit goes to you guys for having the success you're having. You know, you're slowly winning, so you're getting attention. Well, well, thank you, Matt. I, I really appreciate excellent, that. Excellent, Matt. So uh, when do you sign up? <laughs> you know how you guys often talk about you recognize that people have strings that hold them where they are? I, I have a number of strings in my household. Gotcha. So. But, but uh, hey, I, I support you from afar. I think you guys are doing great work. Well, one of the uh, things you can up. do if you haven't done so yet is to head over to the CD Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org and get signed up there uh, for a contribution if you really do want to support these activists up here. I can tell you that uh, we're definitely going to be looking into uh, utilizing the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund for the purposes of hiring uh, Randy Kelton to come out here and consult with Brian and look into this situation, look into going after these government bureaucrats not just in Brian's situation, but also in several other situations that are up here. And, and we don't have Sam to talk about who Randy Kelton is, but he's he's the guy that Sam from the Obscure Truth Network has learned from about how to go after the government bureaucrats with criminal charges, not just to some sort of administrative complaint using their administrative complaint process, which can easily, easily be blown off into nothing, uh, actually filing criminal charges against government people for using, you know, for official oppression and other things like that. This uh, Kel- Kelton guy is a Apparently the go-to man for this particular sort of expertise, and so we're looking at bringing him in to really research the New Hampshire code and the the, the, the criminal court procedure and all of that, and to really nail down a procedure for us and some some documents and and to really kind of dig into this situation up here, so we can all learn from this and hopefully better protect ourselves when we're under attack from these government bureaucrats. So cdevolution.org to get behind some of the activity up here. Thanks, Matt, for the call tonight. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We are going to talk to you about whatever you want. Let's talk to Steve in Toronto. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Steve? Steve's gone. I apologize. Let's talk instead to William in Philly. William, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Good good evening, guys. What's on your mind tonight, William? Uh, I actually wanted to address a couple of topics. Uh, Sure. Real quick, just to give you a little bit about my background. I was an Army intelligence officer for 12 years. I was Mm -hmm. a Philadelphia police officer for two years, and now I teach high school history, civics, and social studies. And the topic of actually using force to fight back has come up in the classes that I teach with my students when we discuss revolutions around the world, especially, as you can imagine, the American Revolution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And being the patriot that I am, and having the background that I have, I like to get my students to think. I don't just want to tell them the facts about the revolution and gloss over it. I want them to think about it. So the philosophical questions come up. When do you use force to fight for what you believe in? And there is no right or wrong answer. And what I try to get my students to realize is what they have to do is essentially a cost-benefit analysis. What one man thinks is worth risking his life for may not be what another man thinks. This is true. And we have to look at human psychology. You may have a thousand people in your community that are willing to fight for a cause, and they all believe in the same cause, but none of them wants to be the first one out there to do it. Sure. That doesn't mean you're alone. And sometimes things explode. 
when we look at our forefathers, when we look at, you know, we know the big names. We know Jefferson. We know Washington. We know Hamilton. We know them. But people don't realize that years before those names were even known, there were small farmers, guys whose names we'll never know, who did pick up arms against the British. I'm going to come back to you. If you've got, I know you've got more, and I had another point, and I'll let you continue here in moments. Hour number two is on the way. More with William Hopefully and your calls as well about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free. So enjoy those on us as we launch here in hour number number two of the show. Continuing with your phone calls, uh, we will talk, uh, continue to talk to William in Philadelphia. William, you're back on Free Talk Live. So you were telling us that you were uh, a former cop, is that right? Yeah, I was a Philadelphia police officer for two years. Okay. And before that, I was uh, 12 years in Army Intelligence, uh, six years as an enlisted man, six years as a commissioned officer. And you were commenting on the issue that was brought up uh, in the last hour in regards to where should the line be drawn, if anywhere, as to responding to government threats, government violence, with violence. Uh, We recommend over and over again on the show to avoid it at all costs. Because it just is, you know, it's going to end up with you dead and very little going to change besides the government actually just going to to arm up even more and make themselves even more dangerous. So go ahead with your thoughts. Well, whether or not I agree or anybody agrees with what you're saying, the important thing is that you've actually thought about it. And I think that's the the key here. What What I get my students to do and what I think that my fellow citizens should do is at least think about it. And like I said earlier... Basically, what you're doing is a cost-benefit analysis. You need to ask yourself, if I pick up arms at this point, what are the chances of my success and what are the chances of my failure? Not very good and pretty good in that order. So your chances of success are typically pretty poor because even if it's just a couple cops that are coming to, uh, to confiscate your child or something like that from CPS, if you shoot those two cops, it won't be long well, before the entire squad is on your tail. And then they're not going to use any sort of judicial uh, proceedings on you. It's just going to be an execution. Well, you also have to do the cost-benefit on which is worse to you. I mean, the second half of the live free or die quote is death is not the worst of evil. This is true. And that came from a guy who took up arms against what was then his government and saw a lot of the people he went to war with die. So it was somebody who knew what he was talking about. It wasn't just talking as a gun polisher. Uh, well, in, in uh, you know, deference to what you're saying there, uh, actually, he saw a lot of people die. However, he was the general, and uh, officers always looked at enlisted men as highly expendable. So uh, he didn't see a whole bunch of his peers die. No, I you know, that's true, and you always have to look at the perspective the individual is coming from. I can say myself as an officer, I guess because I started as an enlisted man, I didn't have that mindset mm-hmm. myself uh, with combat that I saw, but 
I mean, we can look at Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if one father says, I would rather die in this engagement than that them come willingly take my child for some BS reason, that's his personal cost-benefit analysis. But then I would also say, in the long term, are you helping your cause? And that's a tough, that's a tough subject, and, and there is no right or wrong answer. At what point did our forefathers say, it's time to pick up arms? I mean, they chose a point in time, but they were being subjugated and treated like third-class citizens for generations before they did so. It's not like they didn't have just cause for doing it beforehand, mm -hmm. before 1776. So I guess you could say eventually things just come together. The stars align in the sky and the right things happen, the right people get together and something occurs. Well, I don't know if it's the what right thing necessarily. <laughs> I don't know. If, again, something it all does depends on your perspective, <laughs> yes. But if we wait too long, then we end up being in chains that we can't get out of. But I wanted to bring something else to you guys' attention and to your listening audience's attention. Um, in Philadelphia, if you go to 90% of the gun shops in this county, and you do not give your Social Security number, they will refuse to sell you a firearm, hmm. which is illegal. In 2006, there was a federal case, Stalinwork versus Miller. Stalinwork, ironically enough, was a retired Army officer. And when he went to purchase a firearm, the Pennsylvania State Police refused to do the, national, the, the instant check on him uh, for the gun dealer so he could purchase the firearm. Okay. Local sheriff also refused to process his paperwork for a permit to carry a firearm. Hmm. It went to federal court. Under the 1974 Social Security Privacy Act, no governmental agency, local, state, or federal, is allowed to require your Social Security number for anything that it did not already require at the time of the passage of the act. So if they required it then, it would have been grandfathered. Well, in 1974, very few agencies required a Social Security number to get anything, which means that they cannot require it now. In Pennsylvania, no Social Security number was required to purchase a firearm or to get a permit to carry a firearm. So the state was ordered to change this. They drugged their feet on it, obviously, and there are some other things related to this where they didn't change their forms and they took two years to change their forms. But now what you have is... <laughs> The local governments, Allentown, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, Philadelphia, are bullying the gun shops into not selling you if you don't provide your Social Security number. However, this is illegal because there was another federal case in South Dakota where the judge essentially said this. If you're a private shop, whether you're selling guns or bicycles, when you decide what to put in your window, that's a private business decision. When you decide to carry certain products as opposed to other products, that's a private business decision. However, the moment that you take out a government-mandated form that the government requires the purchaser to fill in, you cannot, as a private business, add or take away to the requirements of that government form. So a private business saying, well, the government doesn't require a Social Security number, but I'm going to say you have to put it on there anyway, even though it says optional, which federal law says it must be optional, mm -hmm. you can't make that claim. Because if you had the authority to add to the form, then that means you would have the same authority to say, ah, oh, you don't have to put down your name on the form, which you obviously can't do. The judge also went on to say that the moment you take out that government form 
in the capacity of having that form filled in by the customer, in that capacity, you're acting as a government agent. And you're bound by the law just as much as the government is bound to the law. It's all very interesting points, and I think that you've got – I think that you're, you're pretty solid on that. Obviously, one who appreciates the idea of private property would like to say, well, I should be able to, do, to not sell you a gun for whatever reason I you know, don't want to sell you a gun for. However, you are, I think, correct in pointing out that as a government-registered corporation, they are essentially existing at the pleasure of the state. They're doing business at the pleasure of the state. The state controls uh, so and much about Why the, would a private business care whether you give your – uh, social security number or not. That's really the question. Because I looked into that, and what's happening is this. In Philadelphia, for instance, we have license and inspection. That's and what that's I was going to say. Version of, I'm sorry? I was going to suggest they're going to pull your license otherwise. Well, what they'll do is they'll come and they'll nitpick. Yeah, they'll find they'll violations. Find, they'll find something to cite you for. Sure. And give you BS $1,000 fines every day because, oh, look, your curb is one thirty-second of an inch off or something along those lines. Right. But the other point that, that you brought up about, well, those who are into private property rights would say they should be able to sell to you on whatever grounds they want. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And the way that you're not, the way to not be hypocritical is this. If a gun shop says, well, we have our own form that you have to put your social security number on or we won't sell to you, I won't have a problem with that. Mm. But when they say, well, the government form says optional, but you have to do it anyway, at that point, they're breaking the law and they can't do it. For instance, some gun shops have their own little paragraph on an 8 by 11 they print out of their printer, and, it's, and you have to sign it before they sell you a gun saying that the clerk showed you the safe handling of the firearm. And they do that to protect themselves from litigation. Now, that's not a government-mandated form. That's their own private-generated form, and you can choose to sign it or not sign it, and then they can choose to sell or not sell to you. You know, the sad situation here is there's no, it's a no-win situation for the store owner, because if the store owner decides he wants to, uh, to, to fight this rule, if he wants to go ahead and stand with his customers and say, I support my customers in not uh, putting their Social Security numbers on this form, then the local governments retaliate, pull the business license, and shut his business down, whereas if he goes along with the state, then he loses those sales and potentially loses those customers. It's a no-win situation for him unless he's got thousands upon thousands, if not uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, to fight something like that all the way up to the Supreme Court. That's tragic. I thank you for the call tonight in the story. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Talk about letting things go too far. It was when they implemented the first regulation and the first license that it had gone too far. And look where we are now. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You dial toll-free. We take your calls about anything. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those, including live streams, a broadband version, dial-up version, and a webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. According to the Computer Privacy Handbook, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. Put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative that's free. PrivacyHarbor.com because normal email is not secure. That's PrivacyHarbor.com. 1-800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. We go to Paula in Florida. Paula, you are on Free Talk Live. Yeah, hi. Hey. Uh, there's something very important that people need to do. Um, yeah. Monsanto is trying to get a bill passed through H.R. 875. They want to take total control of all the food supply 
where they can kill us all off with their food because you will die if you eat it. And uh, the thing is, I call the FBI myself. I call the U.S. Attorney General's office. I also call representatives. They have also called the FBI to arrest them. We Paula, need to you know have that, everybody calling, I mean, as fast as they can. Do you know that you'll Get die no matter what food possible. you eat, Paula? Huh? You'll no. die no matter what food you eat. No, that's not true. No? But anyway, the thing is, I mean, <laughs> this stuff is, you know, it's got viruses, bacteria, it's got pig DNA in it. It will alter your DNA. You will die. Remember, the medical association said it was deadly. Anyway, we've got to have everybody calling the FBI's office telling them to get this done as quick as possible. Now, what is it back. you want them to do? I'm sorry. What do you want the FBI to do? Arrest them. Arrest they're who? Try, they're trying to kill off everybody. To, to arrest the people that sponsored the bill? No. Monsanto. To arrest the, corp- the corporation? Yes. Well, you're talking about arresting the, what, the board of directors? Everybody involved. Stockholders? Whatever. I mean, the thing is, in South America, they I completely destroyed their whole thing that they were trying to do there. I'm, I'm, here, here's my thing, Paula. I don't th- I'm don't. i with you on the legislation. I think the legislation's awful. I did hear about uh, it from Downsize DC today. This is the new legislation that is going to require, among other things, that all food products be traceable. Isn't that right? Uh, some I haven't read everything in there, but I certainly haven't either. It, it's bad. We did mention it briefly on Free Minds TV. Today. It's going to be a real right, hit these against people. All they care about is killing as many off as they can. Well, the Paula, thing, is, <laughs> you think Monsanto really wants to kill its customers? That, yes. I don't know yes, about that. Yes, I mean, some yes, people say Walmart is evil too, but they're part of this bringing down the population. Is Walmart involved in that plan too? Walmart? Yeah. I'm not talking about Walmart. I'm talking about Monsanto but, itself. But what? Yeah, I know. They're two different corporations. I'm just wondering. Walmart's also a big evil corporation in a lot of people's minds. I'm just wondering how you, Paula, feel about I Walmart. I don't particularly like Walmart myself. Do you shop there? No. Okay. Where do you get your toothpaste? Huh? <laughs> I don't use toothpaste. I use uh, baking soda. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. It's, uh, it's not uncommon. Thank you, Paula, for the call tonight. Always nice hearing from no, you. Uh, uncommon. About perhaps. this legislation, it's yeah. a real hit against the small food manufacturers and mom-and-pop businesses. There are things that Monsanto has done which I personally find distasteful and I think are unethical. For and It's enabled by the government system, but Monsanto has – essentially, they've patented certain strains of seeds. Yeah, I think that's a real bad idea. And when these seeds, there have been cases where these seeds, like corn, for instance, it's cross-pollinated with other farmer seeds, which you can't help because the wind blows the pollen. They're mm-hmm. living things. They're plants. And then Monsanto essentially took legal action against the farmer. I think it was even in a different jurisdiction. I think the farmer that got taken on by Monsanto was in Alberta, and some of his corn had been cross-pollinated by Monsanto stuff, and they, and they took went him, after him. They went after him for copyright and uh, trademark. I, I forget exactly which charge, but they went after him because it was their strain of corn, which I think is absurd. And they can probably afford more lawyers than the little guy can. And so, so there's no doubt that big corporations to... do bad things. I mean, Walmart uses eminent domain to take property. Target supports national service. There's no doubt that uh, big corporations are problematic. However, I don't think going and arresting the board of directors is going to solve the problem. I think that uh, the root needs to be struck at, and the root of the problem is the fact that government allows for the creation of corporations in the first place, and that uh, government empowers these big corporations to go after the little guy with their intellectual property legislation and their regulations. And with the, you know the the whole fact is these big corporations use the state and the state uses the big corporations. They both work hand in hand to control the rest of us. So there's no doubt that they're complicit in a lot of the the tyranny that goes on in this country. But the 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 core of the issue 
is the government, the government allowing the, the, the government power, the violence of the state that is something that these corporations can get hold of via lobbying and, and special favors for the, for the Congress people and things like that to control the, the playing field, to, uh, to destroy their competition. So, yeah, they're guilty of some, doing some wrong things. But the real problem is the government being at the root of it, I think. Yeah, well, the unfortunate thing is that a lot of people out there who really dislike Monsanto and dislike genetically modified foods are the same people who push for the government to regulate food purity and farming. And essentially, they're just perpetuating the problem, which is that government is in charge of food purity and trademarks and patents and all of that. And that those are the very things that Monsanto is using to try to drive small farmers out of business. It's just it, it's just a, a vicious cycle, really. There are a few details here on this piece of legislation from the folks over at the Campaign for Liberty, CampaignForLiberty.com, their website. It says here that it's in committee right now and that very few representatives have read it. Apparently, it will be devastating for everyday folks, but great for factory farming operations like Monsanto and Tyson, to name a few. I have no doubt that, this is again the Campaign for Liberty saying, they have no doubt this legislation was heavily influenced by lobbyists from the huge food producers. It's so broad-based that technically someone with a little backyard garden could be fined and have their property seized. It will affect anyone who produces food, even if they do not sell, but only consume it. It will literally put all independent farmers and food producers out of business due to the huge amounts of money it will take to conform to factory farming methods. If people choose to farm without industry standards, such as chemical pesticides and fertilizers, they'll be subject to a variety of harassment from this completely new agency that has never before existed. That's right, a whole new government agency will be created just to police food for our own protection, of course. And, you know, there's more to the story here. Uh, it looks like it criminalizes organic farming, but doesn't actually use the term organic. So they must get into definitions of, you know, what types of farming are criminal versus what aren't. And Criminal farming. Defines, yeah, organic as uh, criminal farming. Affects anyone growing food, even if they aren't selling but consuming. Affects anyone producing meat of any kind, including wild game. It's so broad-based that every aspect of growing or producing food can be made illegal, and there are no specifics, which is bizarre considering how long the legislation is. Section 103 is about the administrative aspect of the legislation will allow the appointing of officials from the factory farming corporations and lobbyists and classifying them as experts and allowing them to determine and interpret the legislation. Oh, that's a good idea. So essentially, if you've got a problem with Monsanto, just wait until this new government bureaucracy is formed and the executives from Monsanto are placed upon the regulatory board to make decisions as to whether or not your farm should live or die. This is how companies like Monsanto get as large as they do through the regulations. Not I don't competition. believe it's just it, this is purely speculation on my part, but I, you know I believe this in my heart. The companies couldn't get as big as Monsanto in a world that had far less regulation to no regulation because there would be that much competition. Toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever you want and take control of the airwaves. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. 
FreeKeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. FreeKeen.com. The show is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you. So enjoy those, including the bulletin board system. We've got over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about. Serious issues to fun stuff. you find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI. They handle all your accounts receivables ne- receivable needs for your business. Uh, they do collections, early out billing. They purchase charged-off receivables. They're the main sponsor of Free Talk Live. They're good, liberty-minded folks over there. Support them if you can. SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's at the top of the list. Continuing with your phone calls, we talked to Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Uh, good evening. It's on your mind yeah, tonight. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you really can't do anything to a corporation in the sense that, uh, you know, you can't arrest the corporation. Uh, so what's very interesting about you know, Monsanto, I mean, the family, it's a family-owned corporation. It's private like Cargill. So. Oh, really? Oh, is that okay? So no stockholders? Yeah. And also the family goes back to the days of, you know, owning slaves and being involved in the slave trade. So, I mean, the family is kind of, uh, through the lens of history, kind of sleazy in many ways. Hmm, interesting. But, What's what's most interesting, you know, is the fact that they were able to successfully create this Terminator seed, that uh, they were able to sell worldwide without any research on it, outside of their own research. I believe the last time I looked, uh, Frank, at Wikipedia, that uh, apparently was not being marketed at all. Well, you know, Wikipedia is edited, you know, and people can put something in and it can be removed and everything. So, I mean, but what's interesting about, that was quite a scientific feat, and what it did, it allowed for the first time for, you know, certain crops to have a monopoly whereby the the plants wouldn't produce seeds that could reproduce. So the client was responsible for uh, buying another year's worth of uh, Terminator seeds from the company, which actually is a violation of antitrust in the United States. And also, if you look at the WTO and the GATT trade agreements between countries, but that didn't seem to affect, you know, the power of that company, which is most interesting. And, uh, you know, within a very short time, they were able to uh, have a monopoly, especially in areas of India and Africa and different countries, because they could guarantee that their modified seeds actually were uh, more productive with poor soil than, let's say, a normal type of seed. Yet the big problem was that after the crop was done, you would have no seed to replant. You would have to then get another year's worth of uh, uh, seeds from Monsanto, and it was really a monopoly in many ways on that uh, well, agra. It's it's a monopoly area. on their seed, um, and Correct. I don't have a I don't have a problem with people de- being able to you know make a a monopoly on things that they've created. Um, no, but in, what's interesting in that sense, but you know, like I, yeah. I I see where you're coming from, Frank. But however, if if right. they're selling with full disclosure, look, we're selling you better, more prolific seeds that will not reproduce. Right. So you, if so you get I'm to make a choice, then the, the, co- the company is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's very international, and to be able to get their seeds in the markets without, you know, violating the antitrust, you know, in not only the United States but within those trading organizations, just to test to the muscle they have. So ultimately, there's not going to be anything that the people will be able to do to Monsanto. 
And ultimately, if the government regulates all the food as they're supposed to do with the agricultural department, it's interesting they've not been doing a good job for the last eight years because we've noticed all the melamine products coming in from China that are toxic, that you know are entering our market that aren't actually examined or tested by the uh, what is it the uh, well, Frank, Department the, the, of Agriculture and the DEA and everything. The, the reality is, if you want to be safe and you're relying on the government to keep you safe, you are being really pretty foolish in in well, that, in that area. Well, historically, let me let me let me challenge that on one level. Yes, you you're correct in the current uh, era of deregulation. You're absolutely right. And you'd be absolutely right around the time of Ted when uh, Teddy Roosevelt was president. I don't. Could, I, it's not when, in when the era could, of before, deregulation. Before there was real regulation. There are plenty of regulations out there, Frank, and it's not the government regulations that keeps you safe. It's the end uh, marketers, the grocery stores, the WalMarts of, Amer of the the world, the various different distribu distribution points that are concerned with their customers. They want to make sure their customers come back to buy more things next week, so they make sure that they vet these products before they sell them. The toothpaste you were talking about with a melamine in it, I think, was being sold at places like flea markets and, you know, uh, these big sort well, of... the Imes, the Imes dog food was sold at Walmart, and they have many lawsuits because that was toxic, and uh, many animals died. Do and we really actually... need the government to decide whether or not our dog food is toxic? I mean, Pardon me? do we need the government to decide whether or not our dog food is well, toxic? Let me say this: what we need is to have the regulations enforced. So the food should be the first priority of the government should be. To, to make sure the food that's in the commercial marketplace is safe. That's not uh, I completely one. disagree with you. It's going to cost a great deal of overhead. All that does, disagree. Frank, is it adds another layer of bureaucracy on top of the existing businessmen. It a increases, huge one. I mean, they'd have, to, they'd have to test but every no, no load of dog food. Regulate. Your, your argument is also fallacious, saying that Walmart is going to regulate everything because they're not in the business of testing. Walmart defines a, a, a producer in a product, and they give an amount of money that it has to be brought in at this mm, item. That's no, why, you're, that's not fully, why you're not fully yes. in possession of the facts. Uh, Frank, the reality is Walmart uh, only will bring in products, for instance, in their electronics department or their appliance department that have the UL logo on them. They have various different Correct. quality standards that, you're federal. right, they that's themselves not may not do the federal. testing, Frank. They, Frank, that's a federal Frank, regulation. No, it's not. No, no Underwriters is. Laboratories is a private laboratory, and it is uh, a private laboratory. But they they have to do their testing according to government standards. I know that from engineering projects and different things. Just yeah, because the government, uh, Frank, Frank, just because the government exists and has regulations out there, doesn't mean that Underwriters Laboratories wouldn't have their own set of specifications. In fact, many testing facilities have their only uh, have a have their own set of specifications yes, that is above do. and beyond the government regulatory. Yes, Specs. So but please the, don't pretend for a moment out there that there aren't private agencies that are doing a fine job, Frank, of doing these things, because they absolutely are, and they're protecting their customers. And I can go through example after example of how, in, for instance, the fast food business, places like Burger King or Panera, I mean, they're not really fast food, but they're faster food, uh, but places like Panera have their own inspectors that come in and check out the restaurants, and they come That's in correct. more often than the government inspectors do. There is no no need whatsoever for this layer of government bureaucracy because the 
the businesses and the owners of these businesses have an interest in keeping people safe. And yes, you can come up with a few There's examples, Frank. Hold on. You can come up with a few examples. They're willing to cut corners. Frank, you can come up with a few examples of people well. cutting corners, but the reality is the marketplace is an incredibly safe place. What you're saying is that because there are a few mistakes made, because a few people dropped the ball a few times, that every single business owner should be regulated, every single product should be tested, that some huge government bureaucracy should be created to look over all this. And sorry, Frank, that's madness. Products Go ahead. that can result in death, yes. And the food supply is essential. A contaminated food supply will result in death and cause tremendous devastation. So do we need a government country, regulator, Frank? As well. Frank, do we need so a government regulator standing outside the kitchen of every restaurant to make sure that each dish has been cooked to the appropriate temperature? Well, you know, the people that ate at Chili's two years ago in western Pennsylvania, I'm sure would have wanted that, considering how many died. <laughs> yeah, I, under, I understand, dad, Frank, but the, uh, the question dad, is, Frank, is veggies. does the government regulation really <laughs> result in fewer deaths? And uh, does it, what, what else does it, and, you know, what we kind really of cost does know. it incur? We really don't know, because right. we have to have a system to compare it against that has no regulation. And it, I'm sorry, that's no, not the question. Frank, I see where you're coming from, but Mark asked the wrong question. Frank, the real question is, is it acceptable to use coercive force against your neighbor because they're doing business in a way that you disagree with? Well, you have to define that more specifically. It's a very specific question. Is it acceptable for you to threaten your neighbors who are running a restaurant with violence if they aren't doing their business the way you think they should be as far as their safety I can see a situation where I would say yes to that. If they're intentionally, knowingly letting poisoned food go out, Absolutely. And I don't believe the market functions very well without recourse to the courts. And Ian doesn't believe in recourse to the courts, so I, do, I, I, I agree a little bit with the caller. More coming up here, 800-259-9231. Thanks, Frank, for the call. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the toll-free number for you. You can bring up absolutely anything at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show getting on as many radio stations across the country as we can, and helping expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Although sometimes uh, we miscommunicate them, as I did a few moments ago. We've gotten into uh, a discussion with Frank about how he believes that there needs to be more regulation. If there was just more government regulations in Frank's world, he believes that that they were enforced properly, which is, uh, you know, that's the pipe dream, right? That uh, the government's going to do anything right ever. Okay, right. But he did He did also call, I believe, for more regulations. That's, his general that. theme was that deregulation, deregulation is bad, was one of the themes he pointed right. out. So one can assume that he likes regulation in some way, shape, or form. Exactly. So the idea from Frank was that if, if only the uh, regulations we currently have were enforced and that we don't have any more deregulation and instead have more regulations, then more people would stay alive, more people would be safe. And I asked Frank if, if he thought 
that it'd be all right to use force against his neighbor if they were operating their restaurant business. Just as, as an example of one business, there are regulations that apply to. There are so many others. But if they were operating their restaurant in a way that you believed was wrong, would it be all right to use force? You said yes to that, Nick. And I realized later I should have probably said, would it be all right to aggress against your neighbors for uh, for doing something, some having some sort of policy in their restaurant that you disagreed with? For instance, let's say like serving oh bloody beef. You know how some people like to have their meat. Uh, essentially ex- exuding blood when you put a, uh, a fork into it? I think they call it steak tartare as raw meat. Raw meat. Yeah. Yeah. There are people like that. I, mean, I remember my uncle was one of those guys. I never understood it. I found it pretty d- disgusting. But you pointed out, Nick, that in the in my original phrasing of, well, would you see, could you see yourself using force, or is it okay for you to use force on your neighbors that were doing something um, that you didn't agree with, you then said yes. Well, yeah. I mean, if... <laughs> If there, you know, there was that case of the contaminated peanut butter a little while ago where the factory apparently kept, you know, wasn't recalling it and kept putting it out there even though they knew it was contaminated. To me, that rises to the level of force and fraud. They've committed an offense there. And so I don't have any problem with them being detained for that and apprehended with force if they try to resist Sure. If, if you're intentionally trying to harm somebody... As that's that's what you're suggesting was going on or there. Will, I mean, to me, willful negligence. That's is willful negligence. Yeah. I mean, to me, if I, you know, if, if I make you a hamburger and you're going to pay me for it, and I take some nice rotten hamburger and mix it in because <laughs> I want to save money. Now, to me, there's, you know, the, the that problem. Is the problem with um, with the problem with what you're saying is is that I have to believe that rotten hamburger is bad for someone. So you're you're looking at this thought crime aspect of it. I, I agree that every crime is a thought crime if it results in harm. Well, if I feed it to Ian and he gets sick, well, then, then no, no, it was that, that bad doesn't for him. work exactly either. What if you feed peanuts to a person who has a peanut allergy? Um, you, you know, you you cut your hamburger with some peanuts. You throw, you toss some some peanut oil. You you cook your hamburger with peanut oil because you like that peanut oil taste in your hamburgers. That is not um, causing harm to. Well, it causes harm, but it's not doing it willfully. That's so a matter for saying, a jury to decide. What's that? That's a matter for a jury to decide. Juries are such a, a horrible way of making decisions. Well, I'm not saying that's that... A, that's a question where I could see both sides of that argument, and ultimately you have a group of people I come hope the up, loser pays the, for that. Yeah, I believe that the loser should pay, but whether you're saying that a jury does it or you go to arbitration, ultimately it's somebody making a call on some of those things. And I'm not going to say that everything is cut and dry and clear, but uh, you know, if somebody believes they've been wronged, I think they should have recourse to... Try to be made whole. I, for I that. can't. I can't see either of us arguing with that. No, and, and that's why I say I wanted to clarify what I was saying and point out that I actually what I intended to uh, to say was that the question should have been, well, do you have the right to aggress against right. your neighbor? Meaning I that you would be initiating the force, not them, not them poisoning their customers or something like that. Right. I'm just talking about some sort of business policy because different people have in their minds what is considered safe as far as what they can eat. I mean, some people might say that cooking an egg over easy is, uh, you know, is dangerous, or not cooking the beef enough is is dangerous, whereas some other people would be willing to eat a raw egg if, uh, you know, if it was put in front of them. Yeah, and I mean, if I don't see a place for regulation, especially if it's in that circumstance where somebody's buying a product that might not be safe. I believe you can, you know, I believe you should be able to buy heroin or methamphetamine if you want. So if you want your eggs a bit runny or you want your steak medium rare, more power to you. I don't really see a play. And I don't think that even if, you know, if you've got 
recourse to courts. Somebody could sue you for serving them food how they ordered it. I, I seriously doubt that they're going to get very much out of you. You'll you'll hear about some very strange cases where the courts will rule in an awful way, but for the most part, they're not going to be making those absurd rulings, I don't think. You know, another thing I wanted to point out was uh, in regards to people cooking food at home. I mean, if you want to talk about absurd regulations and how they just keep getting more controlling and more intrusive into our lives... Yeah, they pretty much focus on uh, professional kitchens, and they focus on businesses. But what about prepping food at home? As it turns out, most of the, from what I understand at least, most of the uh, the, the food sickness that people get that they think is from a restaurant is usually from the meal that they prepared at home prior to going to the restaurant or after going to the restaurant. The food that they prepared incorrectly at home, uh, are we going to start having the government you know, mandate that cameras be installed in front of uh, everybody's sinks and uh, their prep areas in their, in their kitchens? Well, perhaps and government you let people cook. Yeah, maybe then you have to go be an out to eat. Way to the do raw it. food advocates would be all for that. Yeah, you have to go to a government-approved chef. Yeah, go to the government cafeteria. No cooking for you because it's too dangerous. <laughs> but if the government, but if the government uh, poisons someone through food poisoning, and they will, because it's just statistically going to happen. Even at some point, anybody who's serving food will well, po- food poison someone. Accident. But the government would be more likely to do it. And if the government does it, it's okay. There's no, no liability. It was an ever, a- it right? was an accident that just couldn't have been prevented. That's Sovereign what the immunity. government says when well, they, they blue, screw something up. Blue re- ribbon panel on uh, you know this. To and check it out. The panel will come to the conclusion after three years of investigation that the solution to the problem is a new layer of bureaucracy to check the first layer of bureaucracy. Yep. All right, so we continue and talk to. I mean, that's where regulation ends up going. Let's talk to David and Keen. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, uh, I want to. I want to give an anecdote, actually, on something you just said, uh, uh, Ian, and then um, an, an anecdote. Like yes, make, sir. I'd like to then make make a comment about what something Frank said. Mm-hmm. Uh, the anecdote is I I worked in restaurants for several years as a shift manager and at one point an assistant manager, and this was actually a rather poorly run restaurant I was working at at the time, and I remember. They're, they would give these food safety courses, and they were pretty basic. You keep hot food hot, keep cold food cold. You wash your hands after coming from the restroom. And to my knowledge, we never had a food safety issue. Um, and then I went home for Thanksgiving one year, and I'm shocked. My folks are leaving the cooked turkey out for hours. And um, I grew up with them, but I didn't. it didn't occur to me. You know, food safety at home is horrendous. Mm-hmm. But in, in restaurants, they've got it down to a, a science that any dummy, whether he can read or not or whether he can do anything, is not likely to poison the customers. You know, if, if, if the food's relatively fresh and it's uh, even if, I mean, ha- if it's been contaminated with salmonella, the cooking process kills that stuff. Yep, that's true. Um, and, uh, and and that's why freshness comes in place. You don't have a lot of toxin buildup in the food. Like botulism itself is relatively harmless. It's toxin. If it's in the food for long periods of time, it's toxin. Right, and a lot of restaurants compete on the basis of they compete on the basis of freshness. They want people oh, to yeah. know that their food is the freshest. Yeah, and the, the biggest safe the biggest safety issue I think restaurants have. Uh, someone mentioned the the, the was it Chili's or, or Chi-Chi's that had the issue with the the green onions. That was a raw food that was never cooked. Any product that's ever cooked. Is you almost never have health safety issues. So what was your that other was thought tonight, colleague. David? We're short on time. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is you're innocent until proven guilty. If you if you have run in a relatively if you run in a restaurant and and you you have no one that's ever been able to make a successful claim against you, 
well, you know, leave the guy alone. It's those who, you know, the Chi-Chi's who clearly have some serious problems or, or, or the other restaurant chains that have had some problems. Those people, after they've been convicted of something, put them on like a, a parole regulatory system because that, at that point they've been proven, you know, and, and at least this is the theory, they've been proven to have com- caused some type of harm. You know, as far as uh, governmental solutions, that's not a bad idea. I mean, but then again, I guess... That could also apply to a private market situation, too, where a private market's uh, certifier could come in more often and essentially yeah. give them a more stricter certification process. Right, and whoever, um, whoever you, the government, whatever the government did, it's going to do it less efficiently than the private market does. So, uh, you know, yeah. it's a good idea, though. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a sound legal concept with people to avoid uh, hurting those. See, the issue is you don't want to hurt those who are doing the right thing in the first place. You, you go after those who are screwing up uh, once they've been proven to screw up. That would be a more sensible government policy. However, it would mean that the bureaucrats had less power, and they don't want that. They want more control over people's lives, and that way they can feel more important about themselves. Thanks, David, for the call, as always. Uh, hour number three is coming up. You can bring up whatever you want, and you can bring up uh, anything here on Free Talk Live, because that's what the show is all about. You take control. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This show is your show. If you want to dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves, we call it Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, all the features we give to you. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Going right into your phone calls to start things out. We'll talk to Tony in California. Tony, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Ian, how's it going? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's on your mind, Tony? Okay, well, you know, this morning I was listening to the podcast from yesterday about uh, what happened to, I think Travis was his name. Brian Brian Travis. He's a a Free State Project member. His uh, family moved up here last year and took a lot of time and effort and put a lot of money into moving a lot of their, a whole bunch of horses. I'm not sure what the total amount they have there at the the Travis farm, but it's it's more than 12 because the cops confiscated 12 of them yesterday in an early morning raid on their property with allegations of welfare issues, which, as we pointed out earlier in the program in last night and as brian told us they didn't even bother looking at all of the horses so was it a welfare issue or was it that they were being targeted for being people with a particular viewpoint who are willing to stand up for their freedom i personally believe the latter what are your thoughts oh yeah dude i completely i think they got targeted just because they're at you know they're in the fsp and everything i mean it's i mean that's really sad that that's what happened i really think that's what happened though you know i mean i was listening to the podcast and I, i was just so angry listening to that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no words really to describe what happened. I mean, the government just stole their stuff. Yeah. Are, are you kidding me? Well, but, you know, I, it's I mean, just proof. It's just more proof that the government actually owns everything that you think you do. They're just allowing you to use it for a little while until they decide they need it more. Yeah, I hear that. Hey, anyway, I mean, my question was, um, and I, I'm a signed Free State Project member, and I, Great. You know, I'd like to move here in the next, probably in the next year. Come on up. Um, We're question, waiting for you. <laughs> my question was, um, you know, how how the New Hampshire natives um, like reacted to your presence there? I mean, are you, are you welcomed? You know, how, how does that work up there? It depends on who who you're talking to. I mean, some people are going to be friendly towards you. Other people are not. It really depends on where they're coming from, 
you know, if they're in favor of bigger government, if they're not. Um, and to, I mean, to some extent, it depends on their first impressions. I mean, if they're if their first impression is somebody's being overbearing with them or is being a little bit snappy, uh, you know, you can turn somebody off. Or if their first impression is a good one, you know, they might not agree with you, but you might be able to find yourself having a decent working relationship with them. So I think it really depends on the person. And Nick, you can say that uh, with uh, some authority because you're an actual New Hampshire native. And so you are somebody who appreciates the free staters coming in. And we've certainly seen other New Hampshire people who may or may not be natives who definitely do not appreciate what the free staters are doing. Is there any way to figure out if a majority believes one way versus the other way? I don't really know. Maybe a poll would help with that. But then again, that's just a poll. Yeah, I mean, I, it depends. It, it, it really depends because free staters do different things. I mean, free staters right. are taking very different approaches to activism. Um, you know, they have varying levels of, how do I put it? I don't want to say ideology, but, you know, <laughs> some people are very strict about their principles to the point of, you know, they can put people off a little bit. I know there was a flag-burning um, protest that went on in Keene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, regardless of how you feel about that, probably not the best PR move. I mean, if that's somebody's first impression of the Free State Project, you know, they might be pretty friendly to the ideas of liberty, but you're going to appeal to very few people and you're going to turn a lot of people off. So, you know, per- personally, there are some things that have gone on that I think turn people off and... It really depends on who's watching, so it's it's hard to say. Oh yeah, I heard about that flag burning thing. I mean, that, that that's not my style of activism. Although I'd like to be very active up there, but definitely not burning flags. What kind of activism are you looking into? Um, you know, you know, I, I honestly don't know. Um, I haven't done a lot of political activism beyond just telling my friends and and people that I come in contact with about liberty. I actually mm-hmm. carry around the liberty card with me. Oh, great! I've got a neat little case I made for it and everything. Um, yeah, I carry that around. You know, I haven't really done a lot, but you know, when I get up there, I'd love to get involved, and uh, I do donate to the uh, the CD Evolution Fund too. Oh, super! You know. It seems like an awesome idea. Well, that's fantastic. And, you know, you're going to get a wide range of responses. But sometimes I'm so pleased and surprised with some of the things that uh, people say to me up here. And, you know, I don't really get out a whole lot and meet members of the public necessarily um, just because the nature of my job is I have to make phone calls all day. And it's really it's relatively a sedentary, solitary uh, kind of uh, career. But when I do encounter others and they hear my voice, it's amazing how many of them will recognize recognize it and say something positive, uh, which I Free Talk Live is a pretty iconoclastic show. So if somebody says something about the, sh- the radio show, I'll usually say, oh, I'm sure we'll, ev- we, you know, we'll offend you at some point. Hopefully, hopefully we haven't offended you or something like that. I'll make some comment about how yeah, it's uh, one of the first things I say. Yeah, too. <laughs> how the show ha- tends to be that way. And th- recently I had a piano tuner come in to tune Julia's piano here at the house, and this guy is, I don't know, in his late 70s, a pretty uh, an older gentleman, and he commented on being a listener to the show. Um, he had positive things to say. He likes not only the, sh- the, sh- the show, but he also likes the movement in general because it's providing some opposition to the status quo. Whether or not he agrees with everything that we say, it wasn't really his point. He was pointing out that he appreciates that we're there. And then just the other day, I had an electrician come over to give me a quote on some services. And he just, bef- right as soon as he walks in, he blurts out that he's a listener of the show, an avid listener of the show on the, the local affiliate that we have on Saturday huh. nights. And just, oh, you know, wow, just... 
yeah, just blurts that out. I think I think it's absolutely great. And he pointed out that he, he heard that we were in Nashville over the weekend, and so obviously he was, you know, was and, and had been listening to the program. So, so does that mean that the other people that I come in contact with are are angry and upset about the Free State Project? Or odds are good they probably don't even know about it. I I don't know how many people in New Hampshire are even aware of it. It's, I mean, it's got a low profile for people who aren't actively involved in following political i mean a lot of people don't like the term political movement but essentially it's a political movement and a lot of people just aren't paying attention to that kind Most of stuff most people aren't they're just you know they're going about their day-to-day lives and there's nothing wrong with that so i think if you use the term free state project a lot of people in new hampshire have heard about it but they haven't heard very much so they don't necessarily have a very good grasp on what it actually is they there's a good chance they've heard about the free state project but that's about it any other thoughts okay. for us tonight, Tony? Um, well, not much. I mean, I guess we'll see you guys at Porkfest. I'm going to try my best to be there. So. Very, very good. We'll see you then. Thanks for the call tonight. That's, by the way, the Porcupine Freedom Festival that he was referencing there. And that's happening a little bit later this summer. So we'll tell you more about that as the months go on. The, the one thing I do want to say is that what I've noticed is there are some people who who do come up to New Hampshire to visit. They're thinking about moving. Mm-hmm. And right after they initially move... Some people have, you know, they they sort of have the misperception that there's a, you know, everybody in New Hampshire is on the side of the Free State Project on this one, or a great number of them are, and you know, you shouldn't come here thinking that it's already, uh, you know, some kind of an anarcho-capitalist paradise, or there's a lot no of, way. you know, that idea is somehow mainstream here in New Hampshire because it's not. I mean, to some extent, you know, I think libertarian ideas are more prevalent in the population here than they are in a lot of other states. But that doesn't mean that, you know, the vast majority of people here are principled libertarians. And if you come off seeming like that's the way you expect them to be and that's the way they should be because they're here, you're going to put them off a little bit. So I I just think, you know, you should still do activism. You should still try to, you know, get your ideas out there and confront, you know, the state, confront the government programs that you don't like. But just try not to come off as, you know, holier than thou when especially when you first get here because it, it does put people off there's no doubt about that and the advocates for self-government are a great organization that is dedicated to helping liberty-minded people craft their message and become better communicators and it's something that we can all use more work on i know that i myself am guilty of falling into all kinds of communication snafus and, and traps and the advocates for self-government have some real great resources books and cds and stuff like that over at the advocates.org that can really help somebody that's that's new to liberty and new to the ideas of and methods of communication to really help most effectively spread these concepts. Um, however, I think that we need to get as many people here as quickly as possible and not be too concerned with what the critics are saying because if you just listen to what the critics yeah. say, you will be du- you will be bummed out. Stifled too. Go, go and look at the, uh, the the article about Brian, uh, Brian Travis in the the Union Leader. I think it appeared either in today's edition or, or yesterday's. Online, You can find that article. Look at some of the comments. You can see some of the anti-Free State Project vitriol. And they are angry at people like Dave Ridley. I mean, because people like Dave Ridley are getting in the face of these bureaucrats. They're getting in the face of these representatives. They're demanding accountability, and they've got video cameras. And the fact is, the critics don't like that stuff. It's the cronies of the politicians. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Features on the site we give to you, and they include archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download right there on the front page of the website, free at freetalklive.com. AdamEve.com has a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com and get 50% off of one item when you type in FTL at the offer code coupon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. Get 50% off with offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. They've got lingerie and marital aids and movies. AdamEve.com. 1-800-259-9231. So, to the news tonight, there's a lot to talk about here. We probably won't get to hardly any of it, but there's a little bit store. Yes, Mark? I was just going to say that uh, you you had asked me to. Uh, oh, talk about you had my... something to recount. Yes, um, from yesterday. Yesterday, um, let's get be, to that. My, my experience was somewhat eclipsed by Mr. Travis's raid, uh, but certainly, uh, yeah, I went up. Uh, there was the the Ways and Means Committee. Don't go to sleep now. It's the Ways and Means Committee for the House is uh, looking at the seat in New belt. Hampshire. Yeah, and uh, for the House in New Hampshire is looking at the seatbelt uh, issue and deciding what's the monetary effect going to be of uh, you know making seatbelts a primary offense, a traffic violation. And um, some you know, Free State Project members went out there. It was, if not a blizzard, something really close. What they call a storm up here, if not a blizzard. And uh, traveling. There, you know, it, it was it was snowing heavily when I was traveling there, mm-hmm. and uh, treacherous be, conditions. Yeah, be, yeah, people people were taking their lives in their hands going there. I don't know how many people, uh, you know, showed up. There were more than twenty uh, to testify for and against the bill. Um, so a total of more than twenty, or correct. twenty on each side. I, I saw a list, and it looked like, and, and I signed up. It could have been after that. I don't know. There could have been thirty. There could have been forty. I don't know. I signed up. It seemed like more than twenty on there. Okay, that's what I've, uh, you know, all I've got to recount. But a certain amount of people showed up. Those people took their lives in their hands to be there. Um, the committee. Opened up to uh, hear the seatbelt stuff. Um, the you know they they made it very clear this is only about uh, you know the the financial effects of the this doesn't have anything to do with policy. This is about financial effects, ways and means. So um, they opened it up. the The sponsor of the bill, the senator Kelly, who sponsored the bill, she uh, she was the first to testify. Then they is this the senator from the Keene area? I don't know where she's from, honestly. Molly Kelly? No, no. Uh, not that one. Okay. No, it's just curious. One. Go ahead. Um, and uh, they uh, then they had the ACLU gal on who sort of testified against. Um, like a character would be the way I would describe that woman. Hmm. Um, and then they had, uh, I believe, uh, then they wanted the, the chiefs of police to uh, testify. But And all of these people were talking about financial burdens that these this new law would uh, They seemed pretty close create? to on topic. Got it. Um, and then, after about four people testified, they adjourned for lunch. Hey, people have to have lunch until next week. Oh, so essentially, they refused to hear the testimony. Now, mm. maybe at some point they'll, you know, have to hear it again. I don't know, but my trip up there was largely wasted. Now, um, that same, I, I must admit that a uh, there was a Wall Street Journal reporter there that had contacted me, said she wanted to interview me. I, mm-hmm. I so I got an opportunity to give an interview to the Wall Street Journal. Will it turn into a, a story? I don't know. She said I was very quotable. Um, mm. <laughs> you better believe it. And uh, <laughs> so you know, I explained how civil liberties are being eroded. That uh, you know, this is the choice of the individual. That people should be able to you know make their own choices. And you know, all these these things that the, the the bill was about 
And I said it wasn't about safety. If it was about safety, it'd have a provision for helmets and fireproof Kevlar suits. And uh, it, it'd also have an addendum that would require people to wear floaties while going into the pool. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a good idea to put them on your kid, but do all adults do it? Some adults can't swim. Adult mm-hmm. floaties might be a good idea for them. But, you know, I don't think everybody needs floaties all the time. So, uh, you know, she she took, you know, got story, you know, talked to a bunch of different people and that kind of thing. So when they adjourned the meeting, she's like, uh, "Oh, did they? Are they just not going to hear what you have to be, have to say?" And I'm like, "Oh that, yeah, that's yeah, what it looks yeah, like. That, that's what that's how, that's what's happening, Jennifer. Just take a look here. These are our representatives, as they claim. These people don't give a. Uh, I said a fire truck because I like Tom's little mm-hmm. <laughs> thing there. They don't give a fire truck what we have to say, and they're not representing us. They're not our representatives. They're our rulers, and they act like it, don't they?" What do they have to – I came an hour and a half in a blizzard, Jennifer, and they don't want to hear what I have to say. It makes this is a great how story. politics works. I, I hope she publishes this. And I it's also not said, published yet. Now, I just searched for now it. Now do you want to wonder now, – now, now, now I'll bet you don't wonder why people aren't involved in their legislative processes. This is what the legislators will always tell you. Well, we, yep. did, we tried to talk to the public and they, uh, did, nobody showed up to the hearing. Right. Blah, blah, That's blah, what blah, they blah, always blah, blah, blah. say. They always say that. Well, here's why. And they bemoan it. Oh, people don't ever show up. Right. That's what they say. But when we do show up. They get rid of us because they right. don't care. Oh, yeah, I want you to show up to agree with me. That's mm-hmm. what they want. Yeah. You know, I think you're right. I think that it would have been – had the Wall Street Journal lady not been there, it would have been a complete waste of your time. Yeah. And I hope that it go, hits the Wall Street Journal and, and people get a chance to see, you know, this is just how stupid our legislative process is. Right. I just searched for your name in the Wall Street Journal and it didn't come up. I suppose that wouldn't necessarily find it if she didn't quote you. Uh, but I, Oh, I'm I, sure she would. How many how many nationally syndicated radio sh- talk show hosts did she you know interview yeah, yesterday? Yeah, exactly. So, so now they're going to reschedule this, so there should at some point be a chance, Mark. So you can go next week and, and cross your fingers. If and I'm here, that, I mean, I'm I'm leaving town. Uh, I won't be on the show tomorrow. Well, that's I, true. I, you know, if it's later on this week, they decide to have it, and they'll probably they do it at a moment's notice. No, they didn't no. reschedule it at that meeting. No, at a moment's notice. That's as far as I can tell. Really? I so they could it. just drop I was standing in there. So they could just meet up on uh, tomorrow morning and then say, you know, we're going to finish up that hearing today. These Is likely that what they are, can do? are questions that should be answered and um, asked of Dennis Goddard because I don't know everything. I was standing in there. I didn't hear them um, reschedule a date. All I heard them say was next week. Yeah. It, it wouldn't surprise me. So you have to go and jump through whatever hoops are necessary to try to educate yourself as to and enlighten yourself as to when this next meeting is going to be. Presumably that means calling the state house and trying to uh, to work the phone system until you can get someone with an answer. And this and is it's very very close here, people. On this seatbelt thing, it's already passed the house. It's looking bad in the Senate. The governor isn't going to not sign this. I, you know, it's it's close. They need money. They need revenue. And this, uh, if they put this through, they're going to get what is it, three point something million dollars, three point seven from the federal money. government. Plus, they're going to be able to get whatever fines they collect from all of the people that they can now pull over. Now, wait a minute. Something we never determined. Did you ever find out, Mark, whether this was a primary offense? It's a primary offense, and I I I, I can't tell you. I can't believe that I we haven't determined that because I know that there was, all along. Well, there was one night when you and Sam disagreed, where Sam said it was secondary you said it was primary we asked Dennis Dan's wrong. we asked Dennis and Dennis said he didn't know 
It's pri- I, I have read online that it is a primary offense. So then they definitely but will be pulling people over for this pull purpose. People over for You're this. not wearing your seatbelt. They'll pull them over even if they think they're not wearing their seatbelt because it turns out they're wrong. Well, they can always find something else to uh, do. Some, if, if they're claiming they thought you're, you, uh, you didn't have your seatbelt on, there's no way you're going to be able to go after them for pulling you over, like wasting your time or something like that. You're not going to be able to get any yeah. kind of justice. No biggie. For- for your wasted time in that case. It, it, it's, you know, the the thing is, is I, I also told the, the, told the reporter, and is I, I don't intend to wear my seatbelt. I'm currently a seatbelt wearer. I intend to not wear my seatbelt, or at the very least, when I feel it's treacherous road conditions, mm-hmm. take it off when I see a police officer. Right. Um, and... I, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to pay the ticket. I'll do the jail time. There may be some trick they have for this, though. It's likely they'll just suspend your license and they won't put you in jail. And then what? Then nice. I'm going to drive on, driving on a suspended as opposed to driving right. for no seatbelt. And then if you get caught doing that, then they'll make you look bad. And more coming up. You can take control. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give to you. So enjoy those on us including the wiki, over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive. You can edit virtually anything you see there. It's another free feature on our website at wiki.freetalklive.com. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies is offering 12 different seminars this summer in locations across the country. Participation free. And the IHS covers meals and housing. That's like extra free. Uh, seminars are for those simply curious about the libertarian philosophy to those passionate about liberty, even those who want career advice, networking opportunities, lectures relevant to each career path. Go to libertarianseminars.com and register today. Deadline deadline is March the 31st. That's libertarianseminars.com. We continue with your phone calls. Gene, the Christian anarchist, is on the line in Tennessee. Gene, you're on Free Talk Live. Well, hello there. Hey, Gene. Uh, Two things. First, I wanted to talk about the, uh, something I saw at Sam's Club regarding uh, Homeland Security, and the second, I wanted to talk about our coming revolution. Okay, sure. Which, they may be related, the two of these. It's, it, I couldn't believe it when I went to Sam's Club, and they've got a little window there for cigarettes, when you want to buy your cigarettes, because, yeah. of course, now cigarettes are dangerous uh item and have to be kept under lock and key. Well, now, isn't it possible that that that's not a regulation and it's just something the store's doing because kids might steal them? We're getting to that. Okay. Okay, so I walk up to the window, and uh, a lot of stores buy their cigarettes there. You know, it's a big box store. Sure. So I see this sign sitting there, and it says, due to new Homeland Security regulations... We have to, if you're going to buy more than 20 cartons of cigarettes or a certain amount of other tobacco items, you have to fill out this particular form with the Homeland Security Office, yada, 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 yada. Homeland Security? What are are people going to fly the cartons of cigarettes into buildings? I have no idea, but this is the kind of stupidity that's allowed to take over this country, and the people just... You know, if if they even notice it, all they'll do is go, oh, well, you know, there must be a reason for it. Yeah, they they're keeping think, us safe. They don't even think about how stupid 
we have become as a country and how stupid we have become as a people. Docile and obedient as well. Docile, obedient little slaves. So anyway, uh, the coming revolution, you talked earlier about uh, why they didn't uh, shoot when the cops came. And uh, I predicted earlier this year that this is the year of the revolution. I do predict that it's going to happen probably come this summer. Now, you're, you're not predicting a violent revolution necessarily, just a revolution. No, I'm predicting a violent one. Okay. Absolutely. And here's how it's going to start. It's going to be similar to V for Vendetta, where the uh, little little girl is running down the street and they get shot. It's probably not going to quite happen that way. It's probably going to be something about, uh, you know, a a freedom fighter, uh, somebody that actually thinks they have rights, uh, defying the government on uh, building permits or something, and there's Mm going to be a raid at 5 a.m., and little children are going to get shot and killed. This is going to be the start of it, I think. And uh, years ago, I think it was back in the year 2000, when Bob Schultz with We the People had a uh, uh, a big uh, Give Me Liberty kind of conference, he had an ex-policeman there as one of the talkers, and I can't remember if it's one of those guys who wrote the books, uh, one of the uh, Patriot ex-cops, I can't remember. But... It, it was right after the uh, the D.C. shooters, where they had the two guys that were traveling around. One guy stuck in the trunk of the car with sure. a hole. And, and they couldn't people. catch him. The cops couldn't catch him, no matter how much effort they put into it. It was actually right. an individual, a uh, so-called citizen, a regular uh, person who happened to come across them and dialed them into the cops. Right. And at this uh, conference, this ex-cop was saying, you know, what's it going to what's it going to be? when the revolution gets so bad and you saw the kind of mayhem that happened with one team basically one sniper team going around the country and you saw the amount of resources spent to try and catch these guys and the amount of uh, amount of havoc they uh, they provided he said imagine having 10 or 20 such teams around the country and not targeting just average citizens but low-level politicians people that are you know, like stealing horses, those kind of people mm-hmm. that all of a sudden from coast to coast start getting, you know, shot in the middle of the night or That's in the chaos. middle of the day even. Now, so I think, I predict that this is going to happen. Now, I'm not I'm not advising anybody to do any of these things. Sure I'm not going to be involved in anything like this. I'm just sitting here on the sidelines watching the game play out. And this is an escalation of force and the direction that it's going is a violent revolution and really there is no change other than violence i I know that you guys hope that it would be on violent and so do i but i can't point to any major change in history that hasn't been violent can you i mean well you can't judge the future by how the past has always come out i mean just because the past has had a history of violence doesn't mean we can't evolve past that and move on and and take the next great step in mankind's evolution and and just move toward the voluntary society i realize that all things indicate otherwise that happen but i can judge human nature by past human nature events it's it's the past is probably your best bet it's a good indicator future it's what's been happening over and over the cycles we've seen for pretty much all of human civilization. It's an indicator, but it's no guarantee. But I guarantee you the thugs are going to escalate, and the thugs they are. are going to shoot somebody who tries to defend their force, their horses, and the thugs are going to shoot somebody that wants to open carry at the state house. The thugs are going to, I mean, obviously you're doing that now, 
but they're going to pass a, a new regulation says, oh, you can't open carry at the state house anymore. They're yep. going to just keep pushing back and pushing back, and they will not stop until they are met with violence. That's just the way it is. Well, again, I, I hope you're wrong, Gene, and I hope this time that uh, we can avoid, I hope this time we can achieve what we're looking for, and that is liberty in our lifetime, and avoid uh, avoid violence in the process. Because yeah. I don't believe we'll get liberty if we go through the violence. I don't think we're going to get to where we want to be. So, Gene, I'm going to use the two obvious examples of nonviolent revolution. I'm going to use uh, the civil rights movement of the 60s in the United States and uh, call forth the, the ghost of Gandhi. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't... Uh, I have to confess that I've never really studied Gandhi, so I don't know exactly what happened there, but I will tell you this, that India is not free. certainly isn't. Um, I know that uh, the civil rights movement of the 60s, I know something about it because I was here and I was alive and I participated in uh, some of the marches, and I know that there was violence going on, there was riots, there were police cars being overturned and burned. Um, these are things that maybe perhaps you guys don't know about because you didn't live through it, or maybe uh, history is trying to erase those events. Oh, no, Gene, I'm, I'm fully aware of the violence was going on during both of those uh, peaceful revolutions, um, and I thought I'd throw them out there because somebody else is thinking of it. Yeah. I, 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 I've heard those two used as examples a lot, too, and neither one of them is really... Basically, from the reading I've done about it, England was pretty much broke and didn't want to serve its empire in India very much anymore, so they were willing to let that go. They were willing to kill a whole lot of people to hold on to Ireland, however, so if they had really wanted to hold on to India, I feel they could have done it, and the civil rights movement wasn't so much a revolution as it was an appeal to the federal government to force the states to stop their discriminatory laws, so in many ways it was calling on the central power to pass laws as opposed the to federal government rid of would never pass up an opportunity to exercise its powers over the states no and I, that's I, the civil rights movement i really a lot of people point to it as, a, as an example and it was essentially an appeal to government to use the force of government to use federal troops to integrate schools or, and that's let me exa- correct myself, exactly what they the federal did. government but the thugs that that believe in the federal government let's put it that way do, do you think that the uh, that the head thug and his promises to no longer enforce the drug laws in california in regards to marijuana prohibition, in reg- specifically the raids on marijuana clinics, medical marijuana clinics, do you think he's going to hold to that promise and his agency uh, bureaucrats will hold to that promise or that they'll, they'll break that one pretty soon? I think he'll probably, he probably will, but they have all kinds of other raids they can switch to. They sure do. Thanks, Gene, for the call. And again, I, I hope your predictions are incorrect. 800-259-9231. I believe that we can avoid violence, and I think we can have the change that we're looking for, and that is the advanced, uh, advancing humanity toward a voluntary society. At least that's the change I'm looking for. I don't know about the rest of you guys. Without violence. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Enjoy the website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free. And enjoy Nick's website, freemindstv.com. You'll get 
his show, which is available in a couple of flavors. There's a television version, and there's also a radio version. You can get both Free Minds TV and Free Minds Radio at freemindstv.com. More great free pro-liberty programming for you to consume. Uh, also, don't forget that if you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can learn how to promote the show over at promote.freetalklive.com. Lots of great ways to help get this show into more ears around the world, all at promote.freetalklive.com. So uh, we get a little bit of choice here on our news stories. Oh, no, we don't. We don't have choice because your calls are the primary element. So we go to Scott in Pennsylvania. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, what's on your mind uh, today? Yeah, I just wanted to um, let everybody know that there's a meetings all across the world uh, this Sunday for a resource-based economy. Uh, the zeitgeist, the movie, called for that. Uh, what does that there. mean? What is a resource-based economy? It means that um, people uh, volunteer to help out their community um, and do things like uh, uh, renewable energy, um, through geothermal, solar, wind, um, and uh, have an economy that doesn't use money, uh, that it uses Mm -hmm. resources that are supposed to be uh, for everyone in the community. Can you give me an example? Commune? Yeah, well, it's kind of like a commune, only it's um, not political. Uh, The political parties are, are gone. And uh, it's mostly uh, based on the best technology that can uh, help out the people who participate. Okay, so let me see if I can, I'm just trying to understand what it is you're, ex- you're ex- trying to explain here. I'm having a tough time with it. So uh, what if I want to buy a new computer? How would that work in your resource-based economy? Right. Well, the, the way that I understand it, it would be a stepwise progression. So... You know, computers wouldn't be top on the list. Um, what would what would probably happen? I mean, it, it, getting something high end as a computer would be uh, further down. First, the first things that are needed are food and uh, and energy and water. So, um, you know, consumer goods can be made, uh, and they'll probably be made by a central location. Okay, so um, you are describing what sounds like communism. Yeah, it does sound like communism, but it's more about... Uh, so screw your TV, screw your computer, screw your radio, screw all your electronic devices. Sure we, need food. we need food and water, uh, all the rest of the stuff you might get eventually. We have food and water, right? So what, what is the purpose of you this You won't after event? money goes away. It'll be very difficult to get that. Go ahead, sir. Right, right. I mean, it, it would be a voluntary System. Oh, would it? Um, yeah, Why would well, I want yeah, to volunteer I mean, into that? Yeah. I have food and water, and I can have computers at the same time. Why would I want to volunteer right. into yours? <clears throat> well, if you didn't want to have to pay for them, if you thought that what? you know you could buy into the way that I would see it is that you would buy like a a corporation that makes computers, and you would own a stake of that corporation, and then you know you would be allotted, you know, a certain amount of computers for for your share. Uh, and so that's why I say it's vol- voluntary in that either you buy into it or you vote for it in your communi- community. So Yeah, I, I don't think it's, personally, I don't think it's a particularly good idea, but I have heard there are even libertarians out there who would like us, not very many, there are some out there who would like 
a system like this, which is essentially voluntary communism or socialism. It's it's not particularly political because it's voluntary. Do but... people share their wives in this uh, particular system? No. No? Uh, no, I mean, it, it's... Isn't it a resource? <laughs> no, it's not a resource. I'm just wondering. <laughs> well, I would presume you would own your wife with which you could make those decisions. She's still got a resource, man. Own your wife. Okay, so uh, so let me well, see. Well, I mean, labor is a resource, right? I mean, and so we're only talking about you know wife swapping. That's a resource. <laughs> labor. <laughs> so you want to get people together to volunteer to get rid of money. So, and when you say money, you mean anything that can be an ex- a medium of exchange between people who have different products and services that they uh, might not necessarily be able to trade. So they have money that would be a medium of exchange. You're you're removing that and you're replacing it with nothing. Correct. Well, I'm not getting people together. That that would be Peter or Joseph, uh, whoever the maker of a Zeitgeist. But um, you know, I, I just wanted to let people know that March 15th, there's a bunch of people getting together all across the world for this type of idea, and it sounds a lot like your volunteer-based society. Well, only in that it's voluntary. Now, the voluntary society means that each individual gets to make their own decisions as to how to live their life, so long as they aren't harming anyone else. In effect, interacting with other individuals on a voluntary basis. And if that means that they want to volunteer into some sort of commune and go and live together with people that want to get rid of money, then they are certainly free to do that. It's not the basis of the voluntary society. The basis is simply consensual interaction between individuals. You'll find that a lot of people who want to see essentially a libertarian society are still going to believe in an economy that works similar to what we have today just without the government control. So you would still most likely, assuming it works the best, I mean people will get to decide, but you would probably still have a division of labor and some kind of a means of exchange that probably wouldn't be controlled. It wouldn't be controlled by a central bank, but it might not necessarily be money as we think of it now. Uh, it might be gold or silver coin or something else, but there would probably still be a means of exchange and a division of labor. Uh, but, I mean, if people want to choose to get, do away with that stuff, they're free to do that. How would you – How would you? Um, okay, let's say you and your, your friends uh, and these other interested parties get together and you create your commune and, and let's call it Scotland. And you guys all get together and you go and live on it and you, you know, you're farming and you're harvesting the, the, the food and you're bringing water to the, the commune and you're doing all that stuff. And then let's say you decide you want to go out and you know buy some chickens for the for the farm. You don't have money. You've gotten rid of money, so you have to find something to what go out and trade for those chickens. Is that the idea? How would you interact with the well, rest of the world the that way, hasn't signed on to your program? The way that I would see it would be that you have things that you make. You you farm. You make food. You make energy, and you can sell those things to other communities. I. I I don't see it happening all at once. So I mean, you're it, going it, it, to right, right. I see where you're coming from. So you're going to you're going to make energy and sell it to the outside to the outside world to the rest of the world that hasn't necessarily signed on board with your communal program. Because I can tell you that I am not going to sign on board to that program. I'm just not interested in living that particular lifestyle. So you're going to build some sort of a power plant with what presumably on like a stream with a, a water wheel or something like that to generate a little bit of electricity that might run some of the you know the the electronics that 
that you have there on site. But as far as selling that back to the community at large, you might have to build an actual power station or something like that. So how are you going to acquire the solar panels or the wind turbines and the, the various different products that you're going to need in order to uh, to do those things? Are you saying that the wind turbine manufacturers are going to just all of a sudden change around their business structures to be communally owned businesses and they're going to voluntarily join your group? Or what, what's your vision Well, there? like I said, you would have to buy into the system. So you'd have to I, – I envision it like you'd have to buy into it. So you'd have to buy a uh, – a factory that that makes um, you know some product, uh, and then it, and then you essentially own that factory um, as a shareholder. Uh, and, and so, in they, order to enter into your communist uh, communistic society without money, you have to have money to buy in. Is that the the idea? That's the idea. It's kind of like um, you know factories that make factories. You know, it, it's it's uh, it, 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 it's not. An idea that you know it you know, have to be uh, alone from the rest of the world. You know, so, how do the Amish, you know, sell to other people? They 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 do take money. money. The, the Amish take money. But, but um, they, <laughs> they do barter amongst themselves. So. They they, they yeah. certainly do barter amongst themselves. But but money is just a medium of exchange. Now, when I buy in, I say I want to move to Scotland because. I like women who don't shave their armpits. So um, who do I give the money to? Well, that would be decided amongst whoever you you went with. So I it's, mean, it's, so it's like, a little, it's like a little government. So the person who receives the money, who's going to be in charge? Mm, I, I Let me tell know. you this, you know, that, Scott. That the person who receives the money is in charge. <laughs> <laughs> it would probably have to be decided amongst everybody who buys in. That works real well now, doesn't it? Mm, well, it, it, that's it's a totally new type of system. No, it's not. Uh, Sounds just like the old one. Yeah, See, we, like just, we, we decide right now um, who's in charge. That person takes the money. If you don't give them the money, they come to your house and they'll take your property that you currently have. I mean, they do some kind of violence and terrible thing to you. What would they do in your world, Scott? We're out of time, I'm afraid. Scott, call us back some other time. We can talk more about it at that time. It's been Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.